On this episode, our tension is full. Watch us strut through part three of our 51st to the third power part series about the incomparable Tokyo Ska Paradise Orchestra. Uh, orchestra. On Checkered Past, <coughs> the Skycast. What up, Checkerheads? Welcome to Checkered Pass, the Scodcast with Celine and Rob, the show where a Desmond Dexter's Scaboratory and a Dial Ska for Lost Kung Fu Monkeys explore the history and impact of a different band each episode, hope to bring in new fans along the way. I'm Rob, and this is my special co-host for today, our Ska associate producer, Chris. Hey, so uh, explain those. I didn't get okay. it. Okay. Desmond Dexter's Scaboratory, like okay, yeah. Dexter's Laboratory. Yep. And then the other one was Dial Ska for Lost Kung Fu Monkeys, because Dial M for Monkey was on Dexter's Laboratory. <laughs> okay, got it. Got it. <laughs> but cool. I did. Not only did Ska. I forget Dial M for Monkey, I was doing my best to lend to have you do that, because she okay. always does that. Dial M for Monkey was the best. No, Justice Friends was the best one. Do you remember Justice Friends? Yeah. Chris, did you watch Dexter's Laboratory? Yeah, of course. Like, oh, okay. okay. Back like mid 90s that was all i watched was cartoon network so of course i've seen so if you're okay cartoon cartoon versus nickelodeon where were you on that spectrum i mean at that time i was cartoon cartoon for sure right but kind of overall i think i'm more of a nickelodeon person but um that's just because i'm old and like 80s nickelodeon had a lot of bangers you like slime a lot yeah of course okay i still want to be slammed i've never been slammed in my life come on that would be incredible. There's no way that's not going to happen. Like, all you have to say is that that's what you want happening at a show, yeah. and someone will slime you within seconds. For sure. Like, like now they'll I've, just have slime. Now I've sealed my fate that slime is about to be all over me everywhere. It's, I, it's... You you are a walking, self-fulfilling prophecy. <laughs> You're wearing a Hans Gruber and a Die Hard shirt, and I feel like it's going to happen at one of their shows. <laughs> Yeah, yeah if anybody likely. who's gonna do it, it's probably them. But it could surprise you. Lumpy might do it. Who, who no, knows? Anybody I mean, could do it. <laughs> now there's like so many like people that prefer chaos around the SPI family. Could be Michi. <laughs> could be Austin from Jokers. Could be Joe from Take Today. Could be Craig. There's so many ways that slime could come at me. I, I... <laughs> so now you just have to be on edge for slime. No, now I've just accepted that I can't control what my life is. And it just is what it is. I was a, I'm still a Cartoon Network uh, guy. I'd say I'd say I'd take that over Nick just because, like, you know, you had the the Adventure Time regular show, Steven Universe, yeah, thing at, at some point. But then Adult Swim, come on, I feel like Cartoon Network had it for me. I don't yeah. know if I watch as much Nick stuff. Yeah, I mean, I think it. I don't even know what's on Nick now or even like during that era you're talking about. Because I mean, like now they have Craig of the Creek. I'm having a hard time thinking what else uh, is on Cartoon Network, but they do have great stuff still. But uh, I don't know. I grew up watching a lot of Nick. And so it's hard for me to not say that. We had a weird cartoon block on Teletoon in Canada, had a late night detour that's what it was called it has a late night adult uh cartoon thing and some were canadian some were american but it had the same four shows clone high 
uh, undergrads, uh, Mission Hill. Yeah. And then a version of quads, the like hand drawn one where they were like kind of like squiggly stick figures. I don't, which know is the, I don't remember that one. Oh, so so the movie he's not going to get very far on foot is about the guy who made quads. Do you know that movie? Nope. I don't All know right. any of this. You're being so Canadian yeah. right now. <laughs> Undergrads and Mission Hill were pretty sick, though. Oh, and, and Clone High. And How Clone dare High. you? And Clone High, obviously. <laughs> I'm not watching the new one. I watched two episodes and then I bailed. I should go back and finish it. Mission Hill is uh, what canonized Keiko's Ska. Yeah, that's, that's true. true. The the new Mission Hill supposedly gets like better, but I also bailed on it. There was a new Mission Hill or Clone High? Is that what you're talking about? That's what I meant. Sorry, yeah, the new oh, Clone, Clone High. Yeah, yeah, supposedly it gets better. Um, I'll but spin I around. Also bailed. I think I, I fell asleep in the second one. Even <laughs> I started watching the Harley Quinn cartoon because it was on Netflix, and I was decided to just watch that instead, and it was awesome. So I yeah, was just I love like, that. Well, I'll just I'll just watch whatever's awesome. Why do I have yeah. to force myself to watch something? Right. Yeah, that's totally fair. Uh, so should we introduce our guest? I think we should. We're absolutely thrilled to introduce our guest. He is the keyboardist extraordinaire who's played in every ska band you've ever heard of and helped to determine the greatest rancid song of all time. Esteban is here. Welcome back, Esteban. Hey. Hey, what up? It's great. We're uh, a year after your blockbuster episode. Uh, last year, <laughs> it was in our top 10 somewhere. I can't remember where it was. It, it was what people liked it. <laughs> that was uh, awesome. How, how has your life changed um, since determining the greatest rancid song of all time was Old Friend? Oh, dude, it gave me a child, bro. I mean, I, I don't know what happened between now and then, but I just got a child. <laughs> I, I have a nine-month-old girl. I guess I, I have to thank, you know, Celine for that, for, for fighting. I'm a blessing on that. Except on behalf of Celine. That's called the CP. That's called the CPSC bump. The CPSC <laughs> baby bump. Oh my god! <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, see, I, I toured. I played with a couple bands. I quit a couple bands. It's cool. I, yeah, actually, I'm, I'm right. In, I'm in the middle of moving out of of my my spot. So, um, it's I'm just chilling so far. Just hanging out. This is my room. Currently, is the room that has nothing taken off. I decided to just put it off to like the last week, so I'm procrastinating as much as I can. Uh, and it's been it's been well, so I couldn't help but think that you know you guys were talking about your your cartoon talk, and I was I was gonna say I was watching uh, Cartoon Network all the way to like Foster Home for Imaginary Friends. Mm-hmm. Oh, Craig McCracken, big fan. Yes, yeah, so, so I I've seen it all the way there, but this uh, I stopped almost like a little bit after that. But I, I I was a huge fan of Toonami. I had an alarm clock that always told me it's Toonami time, and I would get on like Dragon Ball Z and Naruto, <laughs> and then and then, and then I would do, yeah, and then I would do like the beginning of Toonami all the way to like three in the morning because Fully Coolie would be at three in the morning, and that's my last mm-hmm. show of the night. And then I'll see that, and then I'll knock out. Mm-hmm. Isn't there only six episodes of that show? I Were they playing FLCL that much? <laughs> yeah, 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 almost all the time. It's cool because like I. Yeah, they would- I follow that guy, uh, the, one of the main curators who made Adult Swim, but I, I, I follow him, and he, he just said that that was just one of the shows that just like it just hit like really hard. I remember being like a like a twelve year old, and just seeing, thinking that anime is perfect. I mean, the sec the second and third season are like okay, but it partially wanted me to cool. uh, learn how to play bass. Yeah, I think they just like played them on loop. You said you were in some bands and quit some bands, so. What? Where? Who have you been touring with lately? Who's somebody you want to shout out that was an awesome tour? So, uh, I got a tour with the Beat. 
it was cool. Um, and then touring with Catfight, I got to do uh, the first half of that Bad Time tour. Um, we got to do some really cool things. Like we did like some uh, like private show for M and M's, and now if you get like a little M M&M and M bag, you can scan like a QR oh, code. Oh yeah, you're on the M and M's thing. That's sick. Yeah, that was, that was cool. We woke up really. I remember just waking up really early, and I'm just like, oh fuck, we got to do this. And then we had a show later that night. We played for South by Southwest. And we went hard the first set, and, and that kind of messed up my, my stamina for the rest of the set. I was so tired. I did some cool shows, cool shows with Mata. But I, I'm starting to try and play with them a little more. We just finished our new album, um, like recording it. We just, just oh, finished awesome. it. It was, it was a couple years. I think since I started talking to Chris, it's been since that long. We started the album, and then we just finally finished it. And Yeah, I remember you talking about writing it. Yeah, yeah, yeah we were writing it. We, we, we like completely finished it. Uh, I, I finished some other projects that I started around the same time I met Chris. So, I, so this year has been a really cool, like, like a I'm I'm tying a bow over everything now. I'm like just really finishing up a bunch of projects. Uh, some stuff is solo, just myself, and then other stuff with, with other bands that they're finally like materializing into like vinyl or streaming. So it's been cool. It's 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 been like really really chill. But the only problem is now that like I'm starting to look for other things to do. So like nowadays I would come to the room and I'm just trying to write stuff. And I'm I'm writing a couple things, but for the most part I'm just twiddling my thumbs. Like I I use all this, and I I'll, I did what I did last night was just watch Dragon Ball Super. That's what I did. You know. How do you I feel mean, about Dragon cool. Ball Super? Yeah, I'm dude. I, I'm I'm loving the the uh, for sure for sure the animation is questionable because I think Dragon Ball Z just has really really good animation. It's like you know you you're going after that, but the story like I'm I'm on the Black series and the Black series is sick so sick right now. I haven't, so I, I did a huge run of, like, because I'm more of a manga reader, but I read Dragon Ball through Dragon Ball Z because I'd never actually finished it. Um, I did that for uh, Airsats on our Discord. It was like, you need to go do that. So I did it. Um, and I really liked original Dragon Ball. And then I really liked Frieza. Those were, like, my two favorite things that I, I liked. And then oh, I felt like, oh. And then, so I was like, oh, should I get into Super? Should I f- actually finish a series? Or should I just start more series and never finish them? Uh, so I'm just, I, I keep p- poking people. I would finish it only because I I, I heard that uh, that uh, the animators, I don't think he's doing many shows anymore or the show anymore. The, the, the manga is definitely way ahead, way ahead of the of the show. So the, I, I've Typically. already heard like, I've already heard like a second transformation of Frieza. I've heard a bunch of other things, but the story in itself is really cool. It it adds a little more depth, like it fills in a couple gaps of like things that happen in Z, and you could tell that the the, the, the creator really went back to Z and referenced things for the future. Tori you know, Toriyama, you know, yeah. yeah, there's there's yeah there's no there's no uh there's no like a uh, lapse in the story. Like he he really went back and he was like, oh yeah, I did that. Let me bring that back. Picked up where it left off, kind of a thing. Yeah, it's not not like GT because GT totally retconned everything. It was it was crazy. Well, yeah, Toriyama had nothing to do with GT. It was like strictly an anime. Well, you, you, um, you know, you know, Toriyama made Super in spite for spite of GT. He was like, "Man, this shit's terrible." Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So when you get home and you're writing music, are you writing ska or are you trying to do some different stuff or a bit of both? As of as of late, I've been writing a bunch of different things. A lot. So I'm also really big into reggae, so I'll do a bunch of reggae, which is ska esque, but not particularly ska. But I'll do a bunch of like cumbias, and I've been doing a lot of uh, a lot of rock lately. I've been hearing a lot of like Jeff. I, I got to Jeff Rollinstock like re- super recently, like maybe during the Catfight tour, the Sky Dream album really kind of put me onto him. And so I was like, oh, cool, this is really nice. And so I started writing things. I just started like fiddling around with like other styles, maybe like like boleros and like 
Cuban Cuban style music. I have a, a ton of percussions in the back. So I have like oh cool yeah, nice. Like, I pretty much have everything that I have. I have everything I need just to demo. I have a bass, I have a guitar. I got my keyboards. So I'm, I'm usually home all the time, and I'm just like just trying to write things or practice my instruments. I have a trombone and a flute and a trumpet. Um, so nowadays I just want to be like the kind of guy who like who writes his own things. Jer really inspired me too. They're they're really talented, so I wanted to be like kind of do my own thing too. The multi instrumentalist nice. approach. Yeah, 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 and so it's it's cool. I I take whatever gigs I can. Um, you know, as I said before, I, I did leave a couple tours, and one of the tours was supposed to be like a like a full time gig thing, and it, it was just more for my mental health that I left that tour, and so now I have a lot more time. Chris, what what questions do you have for Esteban? Esteban, you're just on fire. You're everywhere. It feels like I feel like you're all your posts are just like, hey, I'm going here. Hey, I'm going here. Hey, I'm going here, and that's awesome. I I think that's cool. Like when I last saw you, um, like this, like talking. You were like not doing that much stuff yet, and you were like hoping to ramp it up, and now you just are. And I think that's fuck. That's cool. I don't. I don't have any questions about that. It's just cool shit. <laughs> You're doing it. It's it's just crazy because I, 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 aside whatever happened, whatever happened happened with with said band. Um, I just don't feel like I've I've gotten. I'm not to the point where I I want to be just yet. I know I'm so this. I, I'm actually preparing. I have my keyboards out here. But I'm actually preparing for like a tour uh, or or a couple days with Agalites, flying back to play with Bandulus, and then driving up to Washington to play with Suicide Mission and Catbite. And and I, I always I took a shower right before this this interview because I looked like shit because I'm in the middle of moving. But I was the whole time I was thinking I was like, man, I wish I could have done more Agalite dates, or I could have extended more dates to keep playing. But like you know, I want to. I I just I at, the, at some point I just figured I just want to play with all my friends for as long as I can. If I can, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. That I, I the, for sure work has ramped up, but I could have I could go harder if I if I could, you know. If opportunities get. Yeah, but mental health matters too. That's what you were yeah. saying, right? That's important. Yeah. The, the, yeah. There was just a point when I was just in my bunk, and I just and then I just I was in my bunk at, on tour, and I was just like, this is just not fun anymore. This this particular person was just jabbing at everybody and making everyone feel like shit, and I and I know I was up I was up next to be shot. To be executed in front of everyone, <laughs> and, and, I, and I just said, "Nah, Mindful I'm good." The firing squad. <laughs> yeah, I was, I was, I was next in line for the firing squad, and I was like, "Nah, this is not gonna happen. I'm good." So you were on um, in defense of ska. It's okay, I don't hold it against you. Uh, but the whole thing about <laughs> <laughs> the... sorry, babe, babe, sorry, you change. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, so they went on about keytars for like uh, a few a few days after, because <laughs> uh, apparently that got brought up and uh, that was a big uh, a big part of the episode for people. Uh, do the names Jens Johansson or Warman mean anything to you? Uh, Warman, yeah, Jens, no. Okay. Oh, okay. So you're are do you listen to Bodum? I yeah, children of Bodum. Yeah, of course. Oh, that's like. So Jens Johansson was Malmsteen's uh, keyboard player, and he also played a guitar. Uh, oh, but he's like the way. guy that he he basically influenced all the Finnish keyboard superstars. And Warman uh, was yeah basically one of his proteges. So I was like, okay, we're gonna talk keyboards. I want to talk about the most badass keytar players uh, in Finland. And yeah, Warman is is my jam. Was first yeah, three Bodum records. Oh my god, dude! This um, I remember I remember listening to Ingrid Malmsteen when I was in high school, and I and I. Oh, there was always those like uh, YouTube videos back when YouTube took ten minutes to load a four minute video. Yeah, back in those days. 
and he, I went, there was like these meme videos about you know how to play guitar like Imway Mountain, and then someone does a voiceover of Imway in a Finnish accent. He's all like, first of all, you have to acknowledge that I'm better than you. You have no hope. Please give up. And he goes, check out the sweet lick I'm making. I was like, oh, shit. They're just capping on Nick and I'm like, I'm pretty sure if he saw this, he would laugh, but he would also get mad. I just, I just heard he's not a nice guy. I, I hear he is not a nice guy. None of those yeah. none of those G5 or whatever that's called, G3, G3 guitar players are apparently a lot of fun to hang out with. Uh, big <laughs> egos across the board. I, I went on a weird deep dive about Steve Vai the other day. I think I think uh, this guy next to me, Joey, brought him up because Joey hates Steve Vai. Like that's like his it's least favorite. Fucking worst. Yeah, and I think sucks. I was like, I'm with you. That dude loves, sucks. My, my brother, my brother loves Steve Vai. He likes his music, but he, I I would assume he would be not a nice guy. I mean, I can appreciate his guitar playing. Like if if he shows up like on a song or something, I'm like like he's an okay guitar player, but that shows that, up on a song. Yeah, it's a pretty feet. event song. He does a yeah. feat on like a song. John Mayer of metal and shit. Yeah, but like my thing is that whole genre of like guitar virtuoso 80s rock like the shred the, yeah. yeah like i love shredding but i don't like that specific genre the him and satriani and all those guys john petrucci yeah no but that no, john, petrucci john, got, well dream theater is dream theater, dream theater is sick right? though yeah yeah so yeah. like it's it's a very specific subset of that like style of music and it's just really not for me i, I, I think what, i think one of the things with steve Vai is like and i think this is a known thing is that um, any like the actual records he plays on are actually garbage. Like <laughs> he plays on the worst White Snake album. He's like on the worst Zappa albums. He's got a couple like ones where he shows off, but Steve Vai more so hangs his head not on his studio recordings. It's just the fact that he's a known good, like very good guitar yeah. player. Yeah. yeah, and like when he does those tours with like. Like I think Uli John Roth like played with him from Scorpions on oh, one okay, of those yeah, things. Yeah. Oh, Uli John yeah. Roth nowadays has like the crazy um, Robin Hood hat with the big feather that sticks out of it, and he just plays like God, Vivaldi. That's cool. <laughs> Fuck, that's you, awesome. You know, in, in yeah. Sky that would be acceptable if he, if he just wore a big Robin Hood hat with a feather. I'm like, oh, he just plays in a Sky band. Yeah, <laughs> I'd be like, oh, that's just a trumpet player. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, a Sky band with like a. Uh, someone who wore a hat like that but played like one of those old timey like harp things would be pretty funny though. I oh, love no, it. That, that, would, that would be a folk. That'd be a folk punk. Yeah, that's for folk, sure. Folk, folk, folk punk. Or, or, yeah, 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 yeah. Or Hurdy Gurdy yeah. exists. <laughs> if we thought about so, it. I'm pretty sure it exists. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's no way we're the first to think about these. No. Yeah. Not when we're sitting on Gold Robin Hood Core. <laughs> sick <Robin> breakdown. Core. <laughs> Little John did a sick breakdown. Um, <laughs> like flute. <laughs> that's called Jethro Tull. That's oh, yeah, already that's true. <laughs> they want Grammy. Very core. That's very Aqualung. You're you're right. <laughs> Aqualung sitting on a park bench. All right. So Esteban, you're here to talk Ska Para Orchestra. Uh, you should know that Cool Chris was on our first Ska Para episode. Oh, that's uh, right. Cool, yeah. Cool Chris was probably disappointed that he wasn't on our second one. Uh, but now he's back for the third. Do you want to uh, rehash, Chris, any of our discussions about the second batch of albums that we talked about? Sure don't, because I don't really remember them. World famous oh, pioneers. Fantasia. I remember the only thing I actually remember is oh, being mad 
about your takes on uh, Grand Prix. Oh, yeah. No, I don't like Grand Prix. I think that album rules. It's so good. Especially like you were so hard on Skunk Fu, man. That song is (laughs) awesome and groundbreaking. That song walked so Ike could run. Like, just get real about it. That song is awesome. But in no the context of playing Grand Prix, uh, Grand Prix against Pioneers, we we just no, no, no we, we didn't do it. Said, we just went through. We just went through it, and I said I just don't like Grand Prix. Yeah, oh, yeah. okay. Because so if you're comparing Pioneers to Grand Prix, then Pioneers takes it. I mean, like Burning Skin. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, Streetlight Corner. That's like those songs. Like, like, like my I, I play in a band called Mata Mosca. That album, like Mata Mosca, we do references to Pioneer tracks, Piece of Peace. Uh, fucking uh, Bernie Scale and, and and Streetlight. Like, there's like a bunch of fucking quotes that I I ripped off for future music. And so, so, yeah. so that will bring me to my next point. Uh, Esteban, what is your history with Scott Para? I know on the last episode you talked a lot about how much you like them. Uh, talk to me about like their influence and what's your era. I want to know you like your favorite Scott Para era. That's fun to say. <laughs> I mean, at, at first, I would say I jumped from song to song because when I got into them, it was during like LimeWire when you when you don't pick albums, you just pick tracks. And and back back then, obviously, like I didn't know as much as I did now, so I just put mm-hmm. you know LimeWire in the search bar, ska, and a bunch of a bunch of ska came out, and it wasn't even accurately named. You know, there's just like you think it's this band, but it's another band. But anyways, I was like 14, and the first song I heard was probably maybe the the Caravan cover. Yes. And the caravan, like a caravan cover, is like their staple. That's their one of the hugest covers that they do. But I, I remember going to, I remember meeting a friend when I was, you know, a, a year later, fifteen. I met this friend named Ricardo, and we were hanging out at his place. And it was back when I just started making friends in the scene. I would go to a show back then. It was just me and my brother. My brother, we would go to the show, leave, go back home. It was kind of very conservative, very shy thing. And then back then, I wasn't drinking too. Obviously, I was like a 14, 15 year old. That was maybe a couple years down the line, but we met this friend in Ricardo, and my friend Ricardo, uh, he busted home, and my mom was nice enough to take give him a ride home, and was I guess I don't know maybe like a la- not like a lapse in judgment or maybe like he, he took a shot on a stranger, but I was like yo you're cool you just want to hang out, and then I, I, one of the nights it ended up raining really really hard, and my mom couldn't pick me up, so I stayed over at my friend Ricardo's house, maybe just a month after meeting him, I was like yeah sleepover, you know it was a thing to do in your teens, morning after my um. His, Ricardo's mom was making us breakfast, and we were we were on the computer, and we were like, "Yo, I, I, you know, I just just found this band, Tokyo Sky. Let's check them out on YouTube." Back again, back in that time when you have to wait for videos to load forever for like a couple minutes, and the very first video that I remember ever seeing, and I can remember it re- really clearly, was when Tokyo played the Scott Summit doing Caravan, and it was like, "Oh the yeah," in, the guy came in with a fucking trash can or a fucking like, yeah. A yeah, yeah. Can. And they kind of sue the phone and everything, and they just went off. And you just see these these people dancing in place. But the the one thing that really got me that to this day influenced me now is just like this is this is my standard. I can't go lower than this. Was watching Oki playing piano and dancing. He was playing piano and skanking at the same time. And I saw that, and I'm like, dude, this dude could do it in the same fucking time without losing a beat. Crazy, blew my mind. Years late, years later, I started playing ba- bands. Like uh, like two, three years later, I started playing keys with bands. But Oki was always just kind of the inspiration. Where I was like, I want to play at that level. And I remember I was playing with, with with my band with Mata, and I started dancing and playing. And I was like, okay, this is kind of how he does it. And I saw a couple of videos of myself playing. And I was like, cool. And yeah, I, I usually I would like look at that as a as a reference point. Now, like if I don't look like this, 
I'm not doing it right. I'm not enjoying myself right. And it's kind of like a like a coordination kind of thing, uh, choreo choreograph. Mm-hmm. And and this, uh, so I would say like like Oki oh, specifically, Oki inspired me to dance and play. But Tokyo Ska's just musicality really really put an impact on me on like how I think ska music should sound, or at least how how tight it, how tight it should be. Because then after that, I, I was listening to a bunch of Spanish ska bands, and they all had their own style, but. Like uh, whenever someone always tell me like oh like how how do you how does you want your band to sound like if, if I could make my band sound like any other band it would be like Tokyo because just because they have that energy they're very tight and then just the performance overall is very 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 strong um, so yeah I, I just kind of put them up on that on that on that tier of like that's the bare minimum you you gotta do like you gotta be Tokyo Sky that's if you're like subpar to that then you're not doing you're not going hard enough kind of kind of thing uh, and then and then like once I started getting to like the albums maybe a couple years later when i could afford to buy albums or when i started just looking up albums in general like when the internet Mm -hmm. just got a little more resourceful um full tension beater was just like the era i was stuck i was stuck on uh i i remember hearing all the songs in different times of my life but then Mm -hmm. finding out that they're like in continuum as an album like like filmmakers bleed straight into five days straight into uh, end of the dragon like all that, I was like, "Whoa, that that's that's very that's very energetic." Like that album in general also became like the blueprint of like album production. You got your album has to have a certain amount of energy because obviously, you know, you you'd hear some albums, and there's some albums that like the, the introduction is really really strong, but then it just kind of falls off in the middle. And um, I don't know if nowadays people listen to full albums, but like I I could understand if your the, the middle of your album is just like kind of weak, you're gonna eventually start skipping. You eventually start doing things like uh like going to the next song or just browsing through fucking tunes. But like Tokyo is just that it has that blueprint of like, oh, like every single song is a hit. Every single song to me, I felt like every single song is a hit with full tension. And that that's my era. And then the first album where where Caravan's at, because the first song, the first song of that album is uh Tetris. And I'm I, I like Tetris a lot. Pedro Azu. Pedro Azu, yeah. 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 Um, I yeah. I went off on the, our first episode about how much I love that song. Yeah, yeah, like, I remember incredible. we did that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, this um, you ever you ever seen that TV special they did with it all dressed in yellow, and then they do like this got that the Godfather yeah. intro. That, yeah, that that's so was, sick. So sick. Yeah, that's yeah, a sick yeah. organ solo too. There's an organ solo that I really, really, really enjoyed a lot. I I cannot get over how great they always look. Like the suits are just incredible, and they change them up all the time. The band looks fucking awesome, like constantly. Uh, it's, it's, yeah, I love Tokyo Sky. I could talk about them for a million years. <laughs> yes, uh, one, one really cool thing, because um, like one of the last times I saw them, I, I got to share the stage with them. We played this play called The Shrine. And the, the Shrine is huge. I mean, like the, the show by no, by no imagination sold out. It was, but it, it was, it was just too big. It was just, it was like a 3,000 capacity and it was only like 1,500, you know, it's still 1,500 people. Uh, but I, the the funniest thing that I saw is that those dudes, as, if I can remember right, because I, I don't want any one of the representatives to see this and be like, oh, they're probably making shit up. But if I remember them right, they came in. I took a picture with Oki because I was like, yo, I'm a big fan of you. Give him, give him a hug. And then they went to the to the green room, and we were hearing some some a sound. We were hearing a sound like a a sine wave, just kind of like a. a a singular note and i i confused one of the green rooms for my for my green room and i opened the door and these guys collectively do yoga mm. they do they do yoga yeah yeah they, they 
I'm like, dude, are you like 50s? Then your 50s and 40s, like they still do yoga together and they're like talking and hanging out and stretching. And I'm like, dude, that's that's rad. I don't know something about them just. Yeah, and I can't. I mean, and then obviously their their rep came in. And he was like, "Oh, sorry, you know, you 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 got in you, this is wrong room, wrong wrong room. You know, get out." And mm-hmm. but uh, just catching him in that intimate moment, I was like, "Dude, those dudes do synchronized yoga. That's crazy. It's tight." I mean, I guess I'm not surprised, but that's still cool as fuck. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I was okay. just wondering they have a regimen in the back. I'm just like, "Oh, that's actually yeah. pretty fucking cool." Yeah, that's probably how they become like. It's like a, a really easy way to like get everybody kind of like together. You know what I mean? Like to get synchronized and get all on the same page to be that tight of a unit with like, you know, they have anywhere between eight and 15 members, depending on what era of Tokyo ska it is. And uh, like, that's, that's hard to, to coordinate and doing stuff like that probably builds camaraderie Um, and coordination. Yeah. I mean, dude, every single time I seen them, it, it it was, you know, like this, uh, you know, when you see a band, we see them live. And then mm-hmm. you see him one, you see him once, you see him a second time. You already know what's gonna happen. You're like, yeah, this is gonna happen. This is cool. Every single time, it, it's always like a like a like no one knows what's gonna happen in a Tokyo Scott show. No one knows what set they're gonna play. They have a plethora of songs to start with. When I first uh, saw them, two hundred and fifty song, three hundred songs, maybe at this point, like yeah, it's obscene. It, the, the first time I saw them, they opened up with Godfather into into uh, five days. Second time I saw them, they opened up with Skull Collector into, into mm-hmm. uh, shining Skull light collector. third time i saw them they started off with with 2014 version of pedorazu all the way to fucking uh to eres which is the cafe Tacuba cover and then the other time and then and then literally the last time i saw them they did this this weird they did a super weird like bruce lee like chanted like huh huh huh, huh you know when, when all people like punch and make the sound they started off with that and everyone just started kind of like, oh, shit, it's crazy. And then immediately into Caravan. I was just yeah. like, dude, you guys start off so hard, so fast. Like, this is crazy. You can't, you can't predict what's going to happen with those guys. And then the way, the way they just look so, like, seamlessly playing on stage. They're dancing with each other. No one's tripping over nobody. No one's hitting nobody. And they're just doing it, closing their eyes. And I'm like, this is crazy. This is the craziest performance I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, so, arguably yeah. the greatest musicians alive. Like, <laughs> oh, yeah, for sure. It's really hard to like to. And so when you're saying like, uh, you got to be at Tokyo ska level or, or it's not good enough. It's like, well, that's the top. <laughs> Basically. Yeah, it's, it's, I mean, it, if you're, but if you keep yourself at that, at that plat- plateau, at least yeah, you know, as, as much as you can, then everything else is always going to be good. This, uh, you, you just gotta, you just gotta make that like your standard. You gotta, as a, as a professional musician, or as, as even just a performer on stage, you got to have that kind of level and you got to have that kind of energy to bring to the people. Cause I'm, I'm pretty like, if, if, it, if, it, if, it, if it even gets me to go to the pit, you know, it could get people to dance. We're going to take a quick break. And when we get back the time, Skashin. This episode of checkered past is brought to you by Blendjet. Slynn, you like to make smoothies. I make smoothies every single morning. Tell me about your smoothie journey. Well, I it's my only way I can get vegetables in my body because I like yummy brown golden fried delicious things. So I often call it my scurvy juice to prevent scurvy. What do you put in your smoothies every morning? Um, well, I am a little spinach bitch and a banana. Uh, pro tip, bananas make every smoothie taste good. Okay, banana, chocolate oat milk, and some like legit peanut butter, a little bit of spinach. You're laughing and that tastes like a delicious treat. Well, I just got a blend jet. 
What? And I've actually been able to make my smoothies fresher because I'll put the ingredients in and take it with me to work because it's portable. And I'll make my smoothie like right, right, right before I drink it. You hit the nail on the head because BlendJet 2 by BlendJet is portable. So you can blend up a smoothie at work, a protein shake at the gym, or even a margarita on the beach. It's small enough to fit in a cup holder, but powerful enough to blast through tough ingredients like ice and frozen fruit with ease. BlendJet 2 is whisper quiet, so you can make your morning smoothie without waking up the whole house. Lasts for 15 blends and recharges quickly via USB-C. Best of all, BlendJet 2 cleans itself. Just blend water with a drop of soap and you're good to go. We got a couple BlendJet 2s. I got mine with like... The black marble. It's like a fancy, like, it's very, faux marble Yeah, thing. it's it's got, like, kind of some doodly energy to it, yeah. I guess. a little mask. Uh, it's a little mask. I I'm not a, always masked. I have masked. a leopard print I got, one. I do some fems. Leopard print? Talk to me about your leopard print. It's pretty fucking fun. There was another leopard print there was that we, another were, one. we were spying. I, but, like, it was rainbow leopard. It was Lisa fucking Frank. Lisa fucking Frank, Lisa y'all. Fucking Frank. There's all kinds of crazy-ass colors. That's one of the best things about BlendJet, too. So here's what you need to do. Go to blendjet.com and grab yours today and be sure to use the promer code, the promer code. Use that promer code checkered12 to get 12% off your order and free two-day shipping. No other portable blender on the market comes close to the quality, power, and innovation of the Blendjet 2. They guarantee you'll love it or your money back. Blend anytime, anywhere with the Blendjet 2 portable blender. Go to blendjet.com and use the code checkered12 checkered12 to get 12% off your order and free 2-day shipping. Shop today and get the best deal ever. Get it for your scurvy juice. Lisa fucking Frank. <laughs> Welcome back to Checkered Past. We're going to now enter the time scoshine. The time scoshine now takes us back to 1996. And if you haven't listened to them already, I suggest you listen to parts one and two. Part one was with our good friend, Cool Chris. Part two is with uh, Paint Bomb. That's you. Yeah. Right. No, I'm Selin. Oh, yeah. Right. No. Selin, you were you were there for both records. Oh, yeah. Cool Chris. <laughs> Boo. Stinks. Yeah, that's right. She says you stink. I mean, you say that Cool Chris. Anyway, whatever. I can't do this. Previously on Checkered Past. Tokyo Scott Paradise Orchestra was founded in, guess this, Tokyo, by multi-instrumentalist Asa Chang. And after opening for Fishbone in 1989, they get a deal with Epic Records and release their 1989 mini-album, Tokyo Scott Paradise Orchestra. After becoming friends with Skins in the U.S., vocalist Cleanhead Gamura returned to Japan covered in gold glitter shades and a shaved head. Band releases their first full-length album, Scott Paratojo, in 1990, featuring the single Monster Rock and hitting 10 on the Oricon charts. After touring and playing stadiums, including the Budokan, the band returned in 1991 with the meandering and experimental World Famous that hit 13. Hiyashi would leave the band unexpectedly and be replaced by rising star Toru Tarashi, and the band would issue a similar album, 1992's Pioneers. At this point, band leader Asa Chang leaves the group to head his own experimental music group, leaving room for Cleanhead to step up as band leader. He would help produce the band's follow-up, Fantasia, a loose-concept album that failed to meet label expectations. Hajime Omori is hired as percussionist and becomes in charge of the band's vocals and choruses. Cleanhead would be uh, unfortunately diagnosed with a terminal brain tumor at this time, sending shockwaves through the ska, jazz, and pop scenes of Tokyo. 
a rallying cry was put out and a tribute album grand prix was issued featuring friends musicians and a bevy of covers and stylistic departures for the band in 1995 the world would say goodbye to cleanhead and the members of this time would be kawakawami on bass aoki on drums oki on the keys tarashi on the guitar omori on percussion gamo on the tenor sax yanaka on the berry Kitahara on the trombone, Hiyamuda on the sax, alto sax, and Nargo on trumpet. Count that up. How many people is that? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven members of the band at this time. So the year is 1996. The band picks them up by their bootstraps and hits the studio for a follow-up uh, full band record. The album was the very pop and city pop oriented Tokyo Strut that kicked off the summer of ska in Tokyo. The songs were rotated amongst the members of the band featuring a live recording of the fan favorite, You Don't Know What Ska Is. The album peaked at 25 on the Oricon, and with global popularity of Ska picking up, set the band for the next phase of their career. Let's hit listen to that single, You Don't Know What Ska Is. Hell yeah, song rules. Classic. Esteban, have you seen them play this live? Uh, no, not yet. I did see the live video though. It starts different. It has like it's a little more reggae. Yeah, that's what I was thinking. I, I still haven't seen them. Supernova would be the first time, but I really want to hear this one. It's 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 up in the air, dude. I at this point I don't even know what to tell you. I know they'll play like five days. That's our that's our staple. Yeah. The crowd chanting, "You don't know what guys would be so sick. I would lose my mind." <laughs> <laughs> so like the the first the first time that I um. Uh, I heard this song. I did. I didn't know you could do like classical playing on ska. You, you yeah, hear it's like cool. a lot of like. You hear a lot of like. Like, let's see. You hear like a lot of like. Uh, like you hear a lot of shit like that, like video. Yeah. Always got music, and I'm like, you can do shit like that on me. Like, all right, cool, that's tight. Yeah, it's awesome. Song incredible. Do basically whatever you want. <laughs> at, at that I point, yeah, that's what, I mean, what Oki taught us. Yeah, but Oki basically just showed me the fact that you can just do any anything on ska. Because I mean, at some point, you'll always hear like your basic, you know. But this guy just takes it to like a whole like, like doing shit like that, and I'm just like, oh my god, this guy's a fucking G. Fucking love that fool. And this is like '90s era uh, Tokyo ska, so there is so much percussion, like just oh, the percussion dude. going crazy. Yeah, 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 for sure. Yeah. How do you feel about this album, Tokyo Strut? So when, when I, I for sure, for sure, it's out of all of them that I, that, I, that I've heard, it's for sure one of the more popular. One of the more popular takes of their 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 tracks, like Starlight Express, it's it's a good intro. When I but when I first heard it, I was like, okay, this is like, it's maybe one of the more two tone. They use a lot more snare on what they're trying to do uh, on their playing. It's it's cool. It's like I like I like probably if I had to put it like top ten out of their other albums, it'll be like a seven six. Like for sure, you don't know what Sky is. What like picks up the entire the entire album. That's. That's a really good song. I just think that's just a very strong song. Yeah, I feel yeah, kind of the same way. Uh, Chris, how do you feel about Tokyo Strut, if you remember? Uh, yeah, so you kind of said it. Like To me, this is like the city pop album. There's like, the, there's like a lot of very like city poppy synth sounds on this record. And that's kind of just how I remember it. Um, I agree. You Don't Know What Sky Is is the one that I always want to hear. Watch That Man. It's also like amazing. Um that the, I think there's they, definitely they some on here that I skip if I'm going to just like listen to the album, but um, I definitely think it's in the top 10 for sure. Yeah. It's like, it's like, a, it's like a hard, it's like a hard six. So then I also remember there's, there's a, 
a cover at the end of the album is a cover oh very well could a, be is yeah, that a cover I, what I does it take is that a cover i think i think it's a cover i believe it's a cover it's not, i can I, confirm I, that in a second vamp i'll find out <laughs> uh, this is terrible vamping chris yeah come on <laughs> so Lynn is not the one that vamps get out of here yeah, I tell her to vamp all the time, and then she oh, okay, makes up something. <laughs> well, I mean, Extra is another one I really like on there. Um, I've always, maybe you can answer this for me, Esteban. It's like Extra album version. Why don't they just call it Extra? I don't remember Extra being anywhere else. <laughs> uh, actually, I think if you dig enough, you could find another version. Because I did, I did find, like in Pioneers, there's a Burning Scale 93 version, and then there's a Burning Scale yeah. single version. So I, I right. think there's an album and a single version. Oh, gotcha. I've never seen that one, bud. Yeah, I probably didn't dig hard enough. I don't know what to tell you. Um, yeah, what does it take to win your love is a Junior Walker and his All-Stars cover. So nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, so nice. I, if I recall, yeah, there's a cover at the end of it. And that, that cover is, I vaguely remember that cover, but I, I thought I confused it with another one of their live, live albums. They do a live album that has like, like Lucky 7 and Summertime and Bongo Tongo. They they have a a, a set, like a second live album. I forgot what it's called. And that one has like these songs. It's like Shot in the Dark, Lucky Seven, A Fingertip, Bongo Tongo. It's all covers. Tokyo Strut is uh, not a top ten for me. It is too poppy for me. <laughs> uh, that was I find I I do love like the first few songs. I feel like it starts really good, and then as they kind of like do more, like I almost feel like there's like a house element to it as well with like the way That's they awesome. do the. There's like seven minute, like it's almost like jams. Like they're just like vamped jams for like a long period of time. And as I said on my last, uh, on the last podcast, I'm too impatient. You, uh, you, know, <laughs> you know what? This, you, have you ever heard of the side projects that all that, that all the other bands do, like Fishman's and uh, Simbali, some shit like that? Like I forgot what it's called. It sounds Fishman's like it like, may come up. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it sounds, it sounds like it, it's like those side project albums. Cause I know that I know that Oki and the drummer they have like another project called Fishman, and Fishman's yeah. like a, an awesome jet. It's like they're an awesome project. My brother likes that band a lot too. But it yeah, sounds Fishman like it's one of those. Really cool. You can tell they're you can tell they're pulling different influences out of, of other other things. There's yeah. a it's it's very varied. I think they learned that from Grand Prix in terms of like, hey, people really resonated with us. Us just kind of like being super poppy and going kind of all over the map in terms of the types of songs we're playing. Let's just try to replicate that again but without all the guest vocals, right? So that's kind of what ended up yeah. coming out. Yeah, that's why yeah. I like it so much. <laughs> <laughs> Let's but listen. it's I, also why there's stuff that I skip. Uh, yeah. I have another song queued up. I have, uh, oh God, this song is so hard to say. I know someone of you cruising on Route 135. Yeah. yeah. I, this, this rhythm here is so cool. This song goes in a weird direction. Yeah. I really like it. Yeah, for me, the thing that I love about them is that they've, always been willing to experiment they still do it they always try stuff and that's why i had to bring up kung fu man because it's just such a like landmark to me of their experimentation right just like taking swings and when they aren't taking swings is when i kind of tune out a little because it's like okay you're doing this groove i've heard you do this groove let's hear some more wild shit um I think that's why of the three we're going to talk about, this is actually my favorite of the three. Wow. Interesting. Yeah. Of three albums? Yeah. Of the three we're going to talk about today. Yeah. Yeah. Tokyo Strut Orchestra. Wow. That's a hot take. Yeah. I think it's a hot take too. 
the way you described this album is how I'm going to describe one of them. Don't see it. Don't, don't see it. <laughs> I'm bringing. See, see, Chris is bringing that Celine energy yeah. just to oh like. Oh my yeah. just, I, Yeah. <laughs> to me, like the energy, even though like some of the swings I take on this one, you never lose the energy. Mm-hmm. Even though I might like skip some of them, some of the others, the other two, I feel lose the energy as you go. Whoa, interesting. Okay, I, I, I think the the last album what we might talk about is the album that has the most energy. Me too. No way. Just oh my wait. god. Okay, let's Just wait. Let's, the second half of take, that one. Let's take a let's take a also, breath. Also, another cool story that uh, so there's a guy in Oregon, in Eugene, Oregon. His name is Ray Ray Master Ray Ray Master Giovanni. His brother plays drums for cherry pop and daddies because they're a Eugene mm-hmm. band. Uh he knows the Tokyo camp because he's half Japanese, half English, but he lived in Japan for a long time. And I remember I invited him for lunch at my house when I lived a little closer to Eugene. And I told him I'm I'm a huge fan of of Tokyo Ska. And and we were, I was just kind of picking the brain of just like, oh you know, he know he knew their engineer, he knew the old their old PR guy. He's he's been he's been working with the band for years or he's been within proximity, you know the within degrees of it but he he's told me and then you could keep in mind on this for almost every album up to present day that a lot of their a lot of their, their tracks they've only took in one one shot like yeah you know like single, they, takes. When they, when, single takes there's there's single take people just one take best take i was like bro it, just hearing all the solos all they're playing is just all of it in one take it's so crazy because they keep the live energy they just they I, I think that is that's a very big thing about recording music. You got to keep the live energy going. So the fact that that I know that they do everything in, in one take, it's mind boggling to be that good in one take. This the, Tokyo Strut came out the same year as Grand Prix, uh, and so that kind of also tells you like how quickly they turn around. Right, they get a concept for a for a song. They usually have one person who's like the composer who kind of outlines what the plan is, but then they just improvise everything kind of over top of it. Uh, oh, to, to, and to I think day, also, yeah. yeah. To this day, like, like, having I, a rotating I, songwriting is is probably one of their biggest strengths too, to make sure that they have like a consistent output. Oh, dude, I'm still stuck on the album from like 2014, and they're releasing something like almost every year. I'm just like, what another yeah. album? I'm just, I'll listen to it right now. What another album? <laughs> Shit. I yeah. one last track from Tokyo Strut just because it was kind of it kind of like threw me for a loop, uh, and it also has a wild name, Paradise Boogie, back again. Once in this a while, one, they get funky. This one's a skip for me. Uh, yeah, it's not my favorite, but it is a swing. Like, they don't have a bad song. They don't have a bad album. But I'm just, I'm like, okay, this one, I, I let's move to the next one. I'm good. Like, I get what this is. Let's get the next one. But like at this time when city pop was like kind of yeah, exploding. this is extremely city pop. Yeah, and like they were super like. The city pop scene was big and funk, right? And so these soul For funk sure. jams. Yeah, I mean, it still is. Like, but... And this just makes me want to be like, okay, I'll just go listen to, like, Cassiopeia or whatever. Like, But it's good. I'm a big fan of uh, Barb Walters. That's my, like, big uh, new... It's more like future funk, but it's very city pop oriented. Also, the Paradise Killer soundtrack was amazing. City pop album. Mm-hmm. I like to get funky once in a while. Eh, this one's not my favorite, though. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's okay. It was a little surprising to listen to this. 
uh i hadn't listened to it in a long time and i think when i came back i was like right this is probably why i don't listen to it too much it's just it's not my uh it's not about it's not my energy but it's definitely chris's energy yeah i love it (laughs) (laughs) and truthfully i probably only love like half the songs but those songs are so fucking good but that's that sometimes does it i have a lot of albums that are like that where i'm like this is my favorite album but it's like i only actually really like three songs (laughs) <laughs> yeah. All right, let's get back in the time machine. Ska Para then hits the road or the seas or air or whatever to tour Southeast Asia. It was here that alto saxophonist Hiyamuda gets into a motorcycle accident in Thailand, derailing his participation, giving him permanent damage to his right leg. He prematurely returned to the band in 1997, but wasn't fully healed and had to return for further medical treatment. So during 1997, while they're waiting for all this to pan out, uh, the, in spite of them not having any new material, they issued their first greatest hits called uh, Moods for Tokyo Ska. And during this time, the band leaves their contract with Epic and signs with new label Avex Tracks, a decidedly more regional record label, which means it's time for everyone's favorite feature, Label She's the Bomb. No, I'm just kidding. There's, <laughs> nothing, there's nothing interesting about this label at all, so I didn't actually do anything. <laughs> So in 1998, the band hired on Cleanhead's younger brother, Rui Sugimura, who was dubbed The Hair. Get it? <laughs> Joey gets it. He would join for half of the next album's recording that began to signal a shift in the band's style that centered with uh, Rui providing vocals for the first time for the band full-time. Although they would still have several songs in the, ba- uh, the band's 90s city pop style, oh, sorry, this was further exacerbated by the departure of Tarashi on guitar, who is filled in by rotating lineup of guitarists, including future full-time guitarist Takashi Kato. The resulting album was 1998's Orchestra. Orchestra, half made up of some of the more future hard-driving ska and half of the pop-oriented songs from uh, the 90s, and it hit 20th on the Oricon. It also featured Hiyamuda's Wild Toasting, which would become a staple for the band in future. Let's talk about Orchestra, and start with Ring of Fire. It is such a flex to like start with like a dubby reggae song as your first song on a record. But man, the song is good. Yeah, dude, it's 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 like it flirts with a lot of like uh, lovers rock too. It's like a lovers rock feel. Oh, yeah. It has it just has a like, so it has like a very electric sound. I mix up uh, those beats, the lovers rock and the steppers beats. It, it's a stepper. It's a stepper, but it. But I think it's because of, of the the setting of like the organ and like the way it sounds all dubby. It has like a lovers rock feel. Right, right. There's a lot of synths. There's a lot of synths on this one too. And the, but the toasts are, are starting to come in, which is like for me, some of my favorite parts of Tokyo Scar are the toasts. Oh yeah, for uh, sure. Which was yeah. more of a thing in the two thousands than in the in the nineties. And so yeah. So th- when I started when this song kicked off and I was like, Oh yeah, I haven't heard orchestra in a while. And there's some some classics on here. So throw it over to you, Esteban, Orchestra. How do you feel about this record? It's it, like I told I, I referencing back a bit. So when I just got it, when I got into Tokyo Ska, mm-hmm. I didn't listen to, to full albums yet. I listened to to songs, individual songs. One of the first songs I listened to aside Caravan and Five Days was The Pirates. 
And oh, the, I love the, the pirates. Yeah, the pirates is just. I mean, to this day, like if I if I start humming it out and my brother hears me, he's gonna join me on that the whole time. Just the that's like yeah. one of my favorite songs to actually listen to. It's it's such a banger. This uh that that song in particular just when I figured out what album it was on, I listened to the whole album and I'm just like, it's just that mood. But again, I feel like to me, I feel like the Pirates is that I you don't know what Sky is of that album. It's just a very strong album. That one, Abracadabra is a really good a really good song. That's a good one. Yeah, that's the one Blue, for me. Yeah, Blue Mountain's a really good one. Um That's shit, what I have man. queued up next, actually. Let's throw that on. Yeah. Blue Mountain is uh my favorite song. Again, that awesome percussion. Yeah. Oh, I came out of a solo. That was smart. <laughs> it's that. It's just, this is their sound. It's the classic. Yeah, it's, it's such undeniable. A, it, even those stops, like that, that was just such a flex in, in their in their rhythm. They're just so tight. Yeah, yeah, we're it, literally all just sitting here grooving out. I also put I know in that, like, solo. in the cylindrical, <laughs> I'm supposed to be talking over the song, but I just want to hear the solos. It's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, man. Damn, that's a good track. Super excited. Yeah, but but then to me, just, just that one, like the energy just keeps going because the, the track's gone, and then you hear the. You hear that? Yeah. I remember when I, when I first heard it, I was like, "Dude, this is not even like ska. It's like theater. It yeah. paints the picture. It paints the picture of that of the title, like pirates. It, it, it's 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 just a it's a crazy song. Cause then there's that uh the chromatic part. It does this whole thing in the middle where I was just like, damn, they just did a whole fucking like theater, a whole piece, just in a four minute song. It's fucking. I really should have threw the pirates on here. Like the the thing with this record, I really like it. This is like a solid one. The songs that I like least are probably the ones with the hair singing. I think I think Tokyo is best when vocalists are kind of like coming and going, right? Like I think the instrumentals are kind of like the the driving force. Like that's where they get the most oh, uh, creativity out of their songs. Hundred percent. Yeah. And so the first three tracks are yeah, you got Ring of Fire, Blue Mountain, the Pirates, and those are all instrumentals. And then it switches to the the singing. Then you got Abracadabra and a couple in the Backstreet for a couple more instrumentals, and then more singing for the rest of the record. Um, so I, we should actually play one of those. Let's play Dear My Sister, because that was the single. Oh, I didn't know this was a single. Wow. Yeah. This, this, this gives me like anime version. intro vibes. For sure. Definitely. And then City Poppin', big time. 
This, 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 this is like, like enemy, Sesame enemy Street ass beat. They already did the Sesame Street. I know, but okay. this is like a, <laughs> a spin-off. <laughs> yeah, that's Sesame beat, Street too. I, I would beat Naruto's ass to the song for sure. <laughs> um, so who would you be in that scenario? Uh, you lost be, a lot. Be, what yeah. do you mean? You'd be you. Oh, okay. Oh, no, I was just saying, which Naruto character would you be beating on him? <laughs> to this song, I would be beating on his ass, for sure. Oh, okay. <laughs> it gives me, like, heavy anime vibes, for sure. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. Uh-oh. It is what it is. I'm sure I'm sure it got them some hits on the, on the radio. Yeah, this anyway. is a skip for me. Yeah, I just go straight uh, to one night. Uh, that's a, and that's a great closer. I loved one night. Um, uh, do you have the love and dear my sister were the two singles? So I think they were really hoping that having a vocalist uh, was going to like because they kept like floating around twenty ish, thirty ish on the charts, which was fine. They're obviously doing well, but they were like trying to figure out how to be like worldwide they kept trying to like expand be more palatable like across not just in japan and asia but they were trying to break out into europe they're trying to get to the u.s and they thought maybe having more like vocals and stuff would like be more crossover um but i don't think it ended up working necessarily because what they would do next obviously would kind of change the shape of their career forever um but uh, any other thoughts on orchestra before we move on? Yeah, uh, no, it's not, I, I think it's I think it's a solid album overall. I mean, if if I so if I would put if I would put um, Tokyo Strut like on a on a solid seven, orchestra would be like a good like five. We're we're, we're getting up there, you know. It's, it's still it's still like a just solid album. I would listen to majority. Of it. I mean, I would listen to the whole thing, but I would I would definitely not think about skipping any track i'll just be like all right i'm, I'm gonna listen to this. this is really good actually it's really nice all right so let's hop back into the time scott sheen the experiment with a vocalist was short-lived as the hair left the group in 1999 the same year a further tragedy struck the band as drummer aoki committed suicide by leaping in front of a train he had been depressed for years but as luck would have it japanese band fishman's had just gone on hiatus so their drummer kinchi motegi was recruited the resulting album was a tribute to Aoki and was the Hiyamuda produced full tension beaters that focused on a wildly energetic ska style built around Kato's surf influenced guitar lines, Motegi's swinging drums and Hiyamuda's toasts and far more opportunities for the horns and keys to improvise solos. While the album only charted 32 in Japan, it was simultaneously released on Grover Records in Germany who gave it a European distribution and then further uh, established it as a with, for a worldwide distribution, which catapulted the band from being beloved Japanese mainstays to an international sensation. And they, just to cap off the whole conversation, here's what Yanaka said. We started touring in Europe. There were many, many core fans. We had never come to Europe to play before, so Grover Records was a small label in Germany that wanted to release our albums. And so that's how it happened. We're searching for a good label for Europe, and then 10 years ago, we were trying to make our music spread more and more, so we played the summer festivals, and that's why we ended up with such a great label in Germany. So, full tension beaters. Let's talk about it by talking with, uh, yeah, that one. So, full, filmmakers bleed. That's that one. Let's listen to it. Nice. <laughs> I'm picking up in the middle. <laughs> um, okay, stop. 
I have got and jump rock and back to the jumpy Motegi is such an incredible drummer unreal this this, this, this song defies odds it's definitely like one of those songs that's just so I have no words for the song at all I was doing it yesterday just to get like, get in the mood of this and I just remember like the, the whole time I was just like I, I I love every solo but the drums just stick out so hard the, the keyboard yeah. solo is crazy too at the end otherworldly men die as dogs die what a badass line that's all he does the whole time that's all he does on camera the whole time he hits one fucking note all <laughs> oh, that drum break in here oh my god Uh, yeah, can say pretty close to one of, if not the greatest so- ska songs ever recorded. Period. That's my opinion. Uh, Filmmakers bleed is untouchable. What I cannot a, even believe that song. It's his own thing. I don't think it's the best song of that. That it, it's a really, it's really high, really fucking close. But I don't think it's the best song <laughs> of that album. Really oh, fucking that, close. Though. Yeah, I don't think it's the best song on that album. But it's yeah, fucking can, incredible. You yeah. can disagree. It's it's a album of non-stop bangers full yeah, tension beaters is an unreal record no matter what you have to say about that chris i just remember hearing like dude like how how do you start album like that and then think that there's more you know like how do you start that like this, this is track one it, it gets better from here like it's crazy all right let's get into it then yeah chris <laughs> you will disagree after i gotta, hear, I gotta interlude, hear your comments i think it's the energy's gone i think it's too slow after that like the first 10 tracks are like one of the best things i've ever heard in my whole life and then after that i'm like okay we lost it like we've lost the thread here that's why i don't think it's the best of these three like obviously it's an incredible album i listen to it a lot but after after howling Wolves, howling wolves interlude is insane it's not a scott song but it's an insane like one minute of like stuff but i just feel like I, I just, not I just not into t- guts for saxophone. I love Wait, guts no, for guts saxophone. Is shit, bro. Hell yeah! Like, I, I think that's where you start to lose it. No, like, are you not into the their swing stuff? No, of course not. Why would I be into that? Oh, I'm I'm into their swing stuff. And then Did it's you, like yeah. it's like all swing after that. Not all swing, but there's so much oh, after that. Man, are you so you're not into their next record where they no, do I'm not so really. much swing? Oh yeah, no, 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 not really. <laughs> Because that's my my second favorite record is the next I'm one. Dumping all, dude, stomping, stomping is the next one, dude. Uh, Bogey Not Dead Dumbie is like Alley the, is just their best real, song, yeah. probably. Well, they have. They I have, don't yeah. agree with that. Bo- Bogey, Bogey, Skull Collector. This is the next album. I know we're talking about three albums, but this, the album after that just gets better because it's just Scott Holly Generation, yeah, I mean, Ground, Cobra. Yeah, yeah. You're saying songs that are great, but there are many on there that are not. <laughs> oh shit! <laughs> this so one I, too. The I, swing I stuff. Like, I, I'm just not a swing person. And like, oh, yes, yeah. if they're it's playing it, of course it's good. Of course, if they're playing it, it's good. And that's. But if I'm going to listen to the album, I'm gonna skip the swing stuff. And there's a lot on this one. <laughs> so Celine, you're giving me really heavy. So much Celine. Yeah. You're giving me really heavy Celine energy right now. <laughs> I'm doing it. <laughs> 
Man, I'm so glad you weren't on our Cherry Pop and Daddy's episode. I didn't even listen to that one. <laughs> Fair. Where, where I sit around yeah. trying to defend why I think the band is great. <laughs> and I don't think I was succeeding. He's all swing. Okay, yeah, sure. No, I, I love it. This uh, I, I grew up with, I, I took a semester, two semesters in jazz appreciation. I had to obviously go through the swing era. So I love, I love and appreciate swing music. So like this, so this album just means that much more for me. It's it's literally the only album on my Spotify that I have completely downloaded and saved. So I can listen to it even when I have no signal. I just go to this album and I just <laughs> listen to the whole thing without even without even looking for signal. But I have the I, first half saved. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's crazy it's crazy because you know this um good good song and then when when you when you hear that ending the. When you start hearing the fucking intro for fucking Five Days of Tequila, it just goes off. That's that's my song. That's like my number one. Maybe like maybe the only song better than Five Days for me is Caravan. Like that song is just fucking crazy. It's I love Five Days of Tequila. I didn't cue it up, but yeah, it's and and which part of the album is Five Days on? It's the the second song of the fucking album. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> it did it, 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 it it's crazy and then you do the hits at the end of five days and then it immediately goes to the bruce lee theme the end of the dragon yeah yeah that song is crazy that song is incredible yeah, that that song is crazy that, that, that drum beat in particular is nuts it's a crazy drum beat too when i first heard it i was like he's not doing a ska beat like the kick is on the off beat yeah. and it's not it's not like a straight ska beat it's, it's the hi-hat's doing the off beat but the kick is just doing like a uh, 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 uh. Uh, 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 doing that it's the whole one time. of those ones where you have to listen to it multiple times to even understand how the beat works yeah dude like I, it took me a couple seconds and then it took me a couple years to even just play that beat on guitar i mean on, on guitar on right. drums i'm so dumb yeah but yeah it took, it took me a while because it just it's a lot of coordination because you're literally just emphasizing the offbeat it's on beat offbeat on beat offbeat it's crazy and then what else i also queued up uh enter the dragon because that's another song that gets brought up a lot with them oh. <laughs> For me, this is one of their best. It's a classic. But still not the best one on the record, in my opinion. What's the best one? Howlin' Wolves. That song is incredible. It's coming up next. So cinematic. It's the theme from Enter the Dragon, which is a cinema film. <laughs> oh, incredible. Production is sounds great. That's yeah, just oh, other but, it's just another level. The the middle part is where I really get I really get got. When he's just when we're doing the hey, 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 that part's where it really, really gets me. For sure. Fucking berry sack solo. Yeah, it's insane. Yeah, yeah that I'll, that that song is in, insane energy. By by yeah, by the middle, like I'm even in my car and I'm just like that skanking and fucking playing and I'm just and I'm skanking and driving and I you know that's probably dangerous to do, but I'm just like, bro, this is. People I, are I like, why is this car. person stopping and starting? <laughs> 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 Middle of the highway. 
I just, I, yeah, that, that that album, like, I'll, I'll be hitting 80 if I fucking listen to that. that that's like, <laughs> that's my, like, I have to go somewhere album for sure. Somewhere far. I, there are albums that are dangerous for me to listen to while I'm driving because I will speed too much because I'm listening to it. And I don't even notice let's it. Listen. I'm just like, oh, shit, I'm going 80. Fuck, my bad, you let's, know? Let's listen to Howlin' Wolves for, for Chris. Fuck yeah. I think this is the first time you've ever played my favorite one on the record. You always skip it. Howlin' Wolves is incredible. Kato is an incredible guitar player. That was like one of the best gets they ever had. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's, dude, he's, he's really amazing live. That he doesn't even look at his guitar. Does fucking high jumps off amps, flips, <laughs> fucking spins, doesn't even look oh at the guitar. God, I can't wait to see that. Crazy. Holy shit. So crazy. There was just so much happening, I just can't even handle it. Oh god, it's so good. <laughs> I've probably heard this like 40 times, but I still can't handle it. And I skipped the part where it's like, it has a, such a slow build, where it starts in the like, one kind of tempo, and then it just like, has a false stop, and then just, yeah, again, it goes back to 100 miles an hour. Just awesome. Oh god, it's so sick. I should probably say it's a little third wavy. That's what Celine would say. Yeah, it's a little third wavy. I hate it. It's says, a little third wavy. You're like, um, look, it, look, if Celine was here, she might listen to this. I'd be like, Celine, look, you wanted to go against me to begin with. You're automatically wrong, bro. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. If somebody just wants to fight me on ranted, ranted songs, I already know what I'm dealing with. <laughs> uh, Joey. You haven't. We haven't given you an opportunity to talk Tokyo Ska Paradise Orchestra. You can come on, Mike. Say say something. Good, I like it. Thanks, Joey. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Good job, Joey. I'll see you at home later. <laughs> I love you. Smooches. Love you. And that brings us to the end of the time Ska Sheen for today. Talking about one of my all-time favorite records that made me very happy. Uh, let's play a game. You ready for a game? Yeah. I'm back uh, again. Hi, Joey. Now, <laughs> don't make okay. me guess horns. This okay. Here's the thing. I got a song. I'm sorry. I'm already sorry. Here we go. Shout out to the world from far east Asia. Our bands are not a joke. We have serious names. Yeah, we'll take the Japanese. Google Translate. Non sequiturs are often boilerplate. This song's or this game is called <laughs> Out of the Frying Japan and Into the Fire Emblem. Jesus Christ! And Holy this, smokes! And in this game, with the help of ChatGBT, I have a list of 20 Japanese bands who use English names for their for their names. Some of the names are dope, but some of the names are lost in translation. Some of them are real. Some of them are fake. So it's a true or false type game. If you think it's true, you say Kanpai. And if you think it's uh, and if you think it's not real, you say Uso, which means liar or lie. Okay. Kampai Uso. Okay. You got it. So you just buzz in with your name or ska or whatever. Well, we, well if it's true or false, we all gotta we all gotta give our answer and then you gotta Oh yeah. We, that's, we how, that. that's how we work this game out. Oh, that's right. That's right. So I <laughs> rotate through everybody. Thanks, yeah. Joey. I got it. I'm the yeah. You're the game master. So are we clear on the rules? It's just true or false. <laughs> Kampai. Kampai. Uso. Uso. <laughs> okay. Cream pie. Wait, never mind. <laughs>
Okay. <laughs> Joey is creating a rubric. Good job. Of... Good job, babe. <laughs> well, there's going to be more than that. Look, That's fine. look at him go. Okay. Look at him go. Okay. We got it. We're good. All right. Here's the first one. Bump of chicken, Joey. Bump of chicken? Bump of chicken. Is this a... Is this Kampai or is this Uso? Uso. Uso Esteban. for sure. Uso for sure, for sure. I was thinking Uso, but I feel like I got to go contrarian, so Kampai. It is a real band. They're oh, an wow. alt-rock band from Japan. Wow. Chris got it. Dang. King New, like new as in the animal. Jo- Joey? Kampai. Esteban? Kampai. Uso. That is a real J-pop band. Nuts. King New. Yeah, that sounds like a real. Yeah. These are fun. I'm enjoying this. <laughs> Trampoline Paradox. Oh, Joey. Oh, uh, Kanpai. Esteban. Nah, nah, Uso, bro. For sure. Kanpai. It's not real. Oh. Damn it. That chat yeah, GPT it. made it up. That was a good one, <laughs> chat GPT. Unicorn Table. Joey. Uso. Esteban. Uso, for sure. Joey. No, Joey. Yeah, Chris. <laughs> Oops. Kampai. I want it to be real. It is real. They're, yeah. they're J-pop band. Oh, my God. Good job, Chris. What was that? Unicorn Table. Unicorn Table. These are vetted. I have researched to make sure that these are, are actually right, because ChatGPT will fuck me up sometimes, <laughs> so I gotta, like, <laughs> double-check my work. ChatGPT right. is a sack of shit, but thanks for giving me Unicorn Table. <laughs> <laughs> Joey. Duck Missile. I Kanpai, I want that to be a real band name. Esteban Duck Missile. Duck Missile? Quack quack, quack, quack duck missile. I, I I don't know. Uh like who would name their band Duck Missile? <laughs> what about Unicorn Table? Yeah. Uso, bro, duck. for sure. Uso. Kanpai, I know it's real. It is real. It's a ska That's band. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Miss Ska too, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> Oh, my God, my sky even better. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give myself less Scott credit, but I've never listened to any of those Misfits of Scott albums. Whoa, Misfits of Scott too is great, but you can skip the first one. I, I mean, I never heard of any of them. Well, He's I just mean, giving you future listening. I He's like, you, uh, could, you should listen to the second one. I haven't listened to the second one in a very long time, so I don't know for sure how it would age now. I'm looking to see if Duck Missile actually was on there. I'll give it. I'll give it a check. Like. As I'm working, maybe later today, I'll be like, "All right, let's see me fit the scar." And if it sucks, I'm I'm gonna go after Cool Chris. You should. I, I mean, if it's I good, you should go when after I was 15, I don't know what to tell you. It's probably not as good now. <laughs> no, neon they weren't on there. Neon light bathtub. No, neon. Uh, Kanpai. I'm just I'm just gonna keep saying Uso until it sounds like a ska band or something. Okay, I'm going Uso. Yeah, it's not real. Ah, fuck. Anti-feminism, Joey. Uh, <laughs> Uso, I want Esteban. That. It's gonna be though. Yeah, I'm not trying to get canceled here, bro. Fuck it, Uso. Uso, the hell out of that. Uh, and on behalf of Selene, I have to say Uso. Come by. Anti-feminism That's... is a very influential uh, visual K band. Weird. The uh, they were a shock band, like they were intentionally shocking. The I don't singer... like that at all. The singer would get on stage and hit himself in the head with like fluorescent lights, and then roll around on barbed wire. It's like oh, the yeah. Gigi Allen. It's like Gigi Allen, some... but 
Yeah, yeah no pooping easy. and no no screwing women on stage or any of that. But uh, it was all like shock rock. They were like a punk rock band too. They were like super <sighs> aggressive. Can can I say like one really fast story here? Yeah, of course. So I, I I was booking for this band called Relance. They're they're really good, really good like punk rock band. Like I know them through the Masons Party guys. I booked them a tour, and it was last year, and it was around Halloween time, and I got them to play this this like a Halloween back in L.A. And the Halloween in L.A. These Halloween in L.A. is really really huge. It's like a twenty five year old tradition, so it's always like thousands of people going to listen to ska bands. I got them to like play second on that, which is kind of a big deal because I gotta like. Get my promoter friends to like get them to just not play first. You know, it's it's they're still playing for a couple hundred people. I was on tour, and then I get this text from one of the one of the promoters. They're like, "Hey," and I go, "Hey, what's up?" And he goes, "Tell me why the fuck the band that you, that you told me to get is playing naked on stage." I go, "What?" <laughs> I go, "What do you mean naked? Like, like they got underwear on, right?" They go, "No, the only thing blocking them is their guitars, and they're spitting their guitars right now." And I'm like, <laughs> but there's, it's an all ages show. And then they're like, yeah, what the fuck's going on? And I'm just like, oh, fuck. So then I, I, I'm looking at fucking stories. I'm looking at their stories and then I, I see it and I'm just like, oh, fuck. What the fuck did I just do? <laughs> and I, and I message the guys and I'm like, hey, you can't, you can't do that. You can't get naked <laughs> at, a, at, at the Echo Flex from Scalloween. And they're like, well, we see people in costumes, so we just decided to wear birthday suits. And I'm like, that's not how it works. <laughs> you, must, you, you miss the conception of, of Halloween <laughs> with birthday suits. And they apologized. It, it was a, a whole thing for like a day. But I, I, it, the shock rock thing reminded me of that, where I'm just like, oh, I remember, <laughs> I know this band. They're really nice guys. They mean well. They're very, very, they're, they're nice. You know, I, I book, I, I book for like Mason's Party once in a while. Or I book for Relance in the, in the U.S. And I'll book for them again. I'm booking for them for October. But when they hit, when they told me about it for this year, I go, I'll book for you guys, but you just can't get naked anymore. That's not <laughs> frowned upon in the U.S. I'm letting you know right now. I don't know how it is in, in Japan, but that's frowned upon. <laughs> Amazing. All right, next one. Maximum the hormone. Oh, that's uh Kampai for sure. Kampai. Kampai, definitely. Yeah. They they rip. They fucking rip, yeah. Yeah, it's a that new metal band. Awesome. Yeah, I should have guessed. <laughs> yeah, they're Joey so cool. would know what that one is. They're, they're so the, cool. Yeah, one of the <laughs> wildest bands I've ever heard in my life. Mm-hmm. Crazy. Uh Rubber Ducks in Pajamas. Uso, bro, that's for cute. sure. Like yeah, Kan Kampai. Uso. Yeah. Uso. Uso, it's not real. Ah. Uh what do we got next here? Uh, oh, funky God. monkey babies. <laughs> Kampai. Yeah, so, I want that to be real. Kampai. Yeah, it's real. It to be real too bad. <laughs> they're they're a, they're a hip hop group. Funky yeah. monkey babies. Funky monkey babies. <laughs> Alrighty. Uh, artistic toilet paper, Joey. Uso. Uso for sure. Uso. Yeah, it's not real. Yeah, y'all got that one. Uh. Yum yum orange, Joey. Uh, kanpai. Kanpai? You think it's real? Kanpai. That's like, that's like that's like puffy ami yumi vibes. Kanpai. Yeah, kanpai. It's real. Oh yeah, they're real. Yeah, they do. They did a cover of "Don't Worry, Be Happy." That was like their big ska song. That's fun. Yeah, and it's very, 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 very good. Uh, Midnight Pumpkin, Joey. That kanpai. That sounds like silly, but real. Esteban, Midnight Pumpkin. Kung Pai. 
Who's Chris is thinking. No, it's real. That's a ska band. Damn. Yeah. Wow. It's like small letters, midnight, and then big letters, pumpkin. Strawberry Song Orchestra. This is the last one. I like it. <laughs> uh, Kanpai. Esteban? What's that, Uso? Uso. That's real. They're a cabaret yeah. punk Fuck. band. <laughs> <laughs> All right, who's the winner? Nuts. I think Esteban and Chris tied. Oh. I, def- I definitely did not. Maybe I'll, I have some extra ones here. Let's see if I can do a tiebreaker. One yeah, second. Let's okay. find one. Let's find, let's find one. Uh, oh, oh, this is a good one. Okay, so just... Just uh, Chris and uh, Esteban for this one. Yeah, fuck you, Joey. Cha- Sorry, babe. <laughs> He's out. Fair. He's out. Chameleon Circuit. Mm. Uso. Kampai. So it's a trick question. They're a real band, but they're not from Japan. They're from Britain. So Esteban gets it. <laughs> <laughs> That's complete over, bullshit. Like yeah, yeah, wow. Holy Welcome shit. Welcome to Rob making games. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> can't wait till I get to make a game again. I'm going to fuck you over so bad. <laughs> oh, my God. The first game I made Chris do was like, and I'm never going to do this again because it's so hard, was like how much it would cost to ship stuff from Japan. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, that was that really was hard. A, Holy that was shit. a good one, though. <laughs> that was insane. That, no, oh, I did do cost- it again. Oh, I can't remember. It was we did a bunch of different things, like how much it would cost to ship uh, a like record, a record. How, and but then we did the same game again with Slin one time, where I was like, "How much does technology cost in today's dollars?" Oh, or it was yeah. Like, yeah. Or it was like a microwave that. cost fifty thousand dollars or something. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. <laughs> that was wild. Anyway, that, we did it. We played a game. We did it, and we're at the end of the episode. Yay. Hey, Esteban, thanks for coming again. So I'll throw it over to you. What do you've got to plug? Uh, I have a show. What today? What day is today? July 16th. So I have a show on the 20th. I'm playing in Sacramento. Uh, this episode at- comes out in August. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. <laughs> Keep that. I think that'd be fu- pretty funny. Oh, yeah. That's um, staying in there. <laughs> uh, I'm, <laughs> I'm playing in uh, Supernova Scarfest. I'm playing with Catbite. And I'm playing with, and I'm filling in on keys with my friend from Out of Control Army from Mexico City. Uh, I'll be hanging out there the whole week if anybody wants to hang out. Uh, I have a tour with Matamosca. We're touring with uh, Mustard Plug and Big D in the Kids Table. We are playing in Portland, Seattle, Sacramento, uh, Santa uh, Santa Cruz, Berkeley, San Diego, Tempe, and Los Angeles, I believe. Uh, so we'll be touring with them in October. So come down and hang out, whoever is in the States. Uh, I have a bunch of some, uh, some cool material coming out, uh, hopefully by the end of the year. Some solo stuff. I have a couple uh, albums coming out with different bands. And yeah, that's all I got so far right now. Follow me on Instagram at Esteban.Flores.92. Or Esteban.Flores92. One or the other, it's a picture of me drawn by my friend Nukui from Japan. So coming out. Awesome. Chris? And I'm going to give you an opportunity to plug. What's we haven't said it the whole episode. You run a record label. <laughs> I do. Holy shit! I feel like all your people that listen already know that. Um, when in August does this come out? It doesn't matter. Like the fifteenth. Yeah. Like yeah. That's fine. That's close enough. Uh, so okay. Um, not long before that, July 25th, the Poindexter album um, came out. Awesome. Mid August, um, the Simple Minded Symphony album comes out. Uh, August 22nd, the we're doing a whole week 
So the week this is out, actually, is you're in the middle of Simple Minded Symphony Week. Uh, August 14th, which should have been yesterday. <laughs> the video one today. Uh, that was the video for Over It. Today, video two uh, and song two for Feather. That comes out. And then video three comes out tomorrow for Overcast. And it's sick. It's like stop motion and got all these like crazy puppets and shit. And the song is insane. And yeah, so... Right now we're in Civil Minded Symphony Week. Poindexter's album came out three-ish weeks ago. And the Simple Minded Symphony album will be out next week. And like Esteban, I'll also be at Supernova. Some of our bands are playing there. Hans Gruber and the Diehards are playing the after party. Uh, by this time, hopefully this is announced. And if not, I guess fuck it. It'll be close enough. Sergeant Skag, we're doing their album in September. Comes, oh, out, right be- comes out right before Supernova. They're also playing at Supernova. And so I will be there the whole weekend, uh, SPI, like vending and stuff. So me and Esteban hanging out. So just come hang out with us. Uh, It'll be a time, especially during Scott Para, we're going to be going crazy. So, um, yeah. There's going to be some some time where I'm going to look at Chris and I'll be like, I can't believe you thought this song sucked. And then I'm going to flip him off. (laughs) 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 You're going to see me going, "Mm, I can't believe they're playing this song. I'm like. Uh, no. I'm gonna be in like robbed? a complete state of euphoria the whole time. <laughs> did they get robbed to choose their set list? Think <laughs> all the songs I don't like. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Checkered Pass. Hit us up on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok at Checkered Pass Pod, or send us an email at CheckeredPassPod at gmail.com. Support the pod and get bonus content, including a full length and unedited video of this episode, which is fucking fire, honestly. Uh, sign up for our Checkerhead Patreon at patreon.com slash checkeredpast. We also have merch available. Uh, kind of. <laughs> I shouldn't say that anymore. I got to update the merch at checkeredpast.ca. Checkered Past is edited by Ariane and engineered by Joey. Hi. And our Scott associate producer and co-host is Chris Reeves. Hey, the Checkered me. Past theme is OAO by Edmonton's own Mad Bomber Society. And so until next time, I'm Rob. And I'm Kurt. I mean, Celine. I mean, cool Chris. <laughs> the immortal words of Tokyo Scott Paradise Orchestra, men die as dogs die. Oh, hey, oh, what the fuck?